time travel, sci-fi adventures, and risky rolls of the dice lie ahead. Hello and welcome to Anywhere But Now, a Doctor Who actual play podcast. I'm your host and GM, Casey Jones. The next hour and a half or so holds a thrilling adventure in time and space. So let's dive in. With me is the daring crew of our time-traveling machine. Playing the fixer is the ever-resourceful Brand Osorio. Hello, Brand. Hello. So nice to see you. And joining him is Maeve Sullivan, played by the ebullient Kate McCoyne. Welcome, Kate. Hi there. Finishing the TARDIS team is Pandora Beatrix as the unpredictable Calamity Hap. Hi. Cordial salutations. Cordial salutations. And returning to play with us today is special guest star A.E. Jones. Welcome back, Murph. Darlene. Are you all excited? Do you feel that energy? I hope so, because we play with the second edition of Cubicle 7's Doctor Who rulebooks. That means the dice are magic. Rolling double sixes bring extra bonuses, while rolling snake eyes spells disaster. House rules mean our players begin the game with five, count them five story points each, so they're not empty-handed, but don't have an embarrassment of riches either. Get ready for a collaborative, immersive storytelling experience, because that's what I've brought to tables for over 10 years. Stick around after the game for interviews with the players. The name of the game is Doctor Who, but our show is anywhere but now for a reason. Instead of a legendary hero who's defeated the Daleks and Cybermen hundreds of times, our intrepid fixer is still in his first incarnation, traveling the cosmos as a senior member in the doctoral program. Roles, rules, and other tantalizing tidbits will be explained as we go. A bigger on the inside thank you to our listeners. Time is truly a gift, or it wouldn't be the present. We thank you for spending yours with us. If you like what you hear, leave a review, rate the show, and follow us on Twitter at AnywhereButNow with an underscore at the end. And if you'd like me to run a game for you over Zoom, find me on StartPlaying.Games. Links to everything in the doobly-doo. This fine TARDIS crew have no idea what they're heading into. For today's adventure, they have not been told so much as the title of the mod brought to you wherever you're listening in time and space. This is Anywhere But Now. Open with Maeve. You're strolling through the TARDIS library, a voluminous room of endless stacks of books in several directions. TARDIS piloting manuals sit gathering dust as you've found the subject of your next article. Artemis Makobek. The library has a whole bookshelf dedicated to her, starting with her biography. There's another volume of her work as a painter. Another volume cataloging her performance art, for which she won the exclusive Golden Chimera Award. A third heavy tome describes her work in glass, manipulating light. A fourth collects articles on her various triumphant shows over the decades that come to an abrupt halt relative to 10 years ago. Kobeck is approaching 80, but her species has a longer, slower lifespan than most bipeds. 
She's taken sabbaticals before, but no one in the art world has seen her in over a decade. Maeve, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling very excited because if there's anyone who can get an interview with a gifted and talented and yet reclusive artist like Artemis Mikobek, it's Maeve Sullivan. That's outstanding. Your pocket reporter, Dita Dietz. The Sigourney has entered mainstream production after the filtration process was perfected. The Gelt are safe and sound, and Brennan is reaping the benefits. The coronation of Lexi VII is greenlit with sponsorship from you-know-who. Details on the event are pending. In breaking news, the Slothton clan of Raxacorico-Phalipatorius have recently disappeared following a botched heist of a casino orbiting Dick Dak. Finally, an email from your editor, Pon Jerry, really, really wants you to try and get this interview with Artemis Makobek. It would be an incredible scoop. Calamity. You've been exploring the TARDIS between adventures and have made some fun discoveries. For instance, the tiramisu-flavored gelato in the desertium pairs really well with the espresso in the, con in the console room. Squirrels in Arboretum 3 are fondest of the acorn gelato and appreciate the bowls you've been leaving out for them. Finally, the silver in your hair you collected during your hard time on Ruption has not gone away. You thought it might be one of those temporary thingies, but it's still there. How's Calamity feeling? Well, you know, well, so a little confused, a little concerned, mostly excited, obviously, because anything, anything new is good. But it's just, it's definitely something that she's still trying to wrap her head around the, uh, the whole, the whole aging thing and, and what's going on with that. She's heard some of the side chatter, you know, um, about people being old and, mm. um, and, and there's, there's a bunch of weird implications of that that she's still, you know, grappling with, so. Okay, yeah. No, I, I feel you. I feel you, and so do my joints. Fixer. The TARDIS is currently parked in deep space, at rest. The console hum has returned to its normal tone, and all is well. The Fixer spent the last few days around the TARDIS console room, fixing. Some flights through the vortex have been bumpier than others, and Fixer's been catching up his to-do list of TARDIS maintenance. The dispatch has been silent for days. What's going through the Fixer's head as he fixes? Probably thinking deeply about the fact that we haven't heard anything from the Auditor since the Auditor left. And probably a little bit of worry for the Auditor and how the other Time Lords are dealing with the Auditor after the events on Ruption. Hmm. Yeah. Any kind of, like, friendly chatter that you might have expected from other Time Lords, um, especially in the program, have fallen silent. You're not entirely sure why, maybe it's just that they don't know what to say, but uh, rumblings of the disciplinary action of the Time Lords has uh, rumbled through the halls of the doctoral program back home. Then, unfortunately, I think I will have to make sure as I'm doing repairs around the ship that I also want to put them, some things in place, so that way if either of my companions are ever um, held responsible for anything that happened on Eruption, we have a safe way to get them home and out of anybody's clutches who might be uh, seeking a scapegoat. That's really interesting. That might be like a short-term project or a short-term goal to work on between mods. It would require some use of gadgetry and things like that. I really dig that Time Lord thinking at a story point. Bravo, oh, first of the day. 
So yeah, you are working your way in the console. You might be on your back on one of those rolly things that you finally found. In which case I will have to announce out loud, oh, I'm so happy and thankful that Calamity got us these. It really has made work around the TARDIS a lot easier. What do you think? And put my hand on the console and just gently rub it. <laughs> the gentle resting hum of the TARDIS gives you an extra because it likes that it's even that much more useful and accessible now. It's it's not quite like, look at these roller skates I can wear now, but it's not, not that either. <laughs> you hear the telltale rumbling of a canister rumbling down the tube of the dispatch. Out comes a canister with your name on it. Ooh, news. Head on over, pop open the canister. The instructions in the dispatch are pretty simple. It just says, uh, expand the oxygen envelope outside of the TARDIS, please. Hmm. Definitely gathering them up before I do <laughs> In the work of just a, a handful of minutes, like the three of you, I'm picturing an overhead shot because if everything in Time Lord architecture is divided by six, because it's all clockwise and has six hexagonal facets, I see an overhead shot of three bisecting tunnels, one adjacent to the library, one adjacent to the desertion, um, <laughs> where gelato of various flavors can be found, and one offshooting from the wardrobe that the fixer bypasses to get from here to the console room. And you all just Run into each other. Uh, hey, what's up? Just, we got something interesting in the mail. Hand the paper to Maeve. Say, I believe the auditor is returning to us. Let's see if we can give him a, a, a good welcome. I'm, I'm not quite sure what he may have seen or heard while he was away. Let's do an uh, ingenuity and technology role at the console to adjust the uh, extraspatial settings outside the TARDIS to expand the oxygen environment to outside the TARDIS doors. This is fairly simple, and given that you are a Time Lord trainee, you can add two to this, it's going to be a difficulty of 12. Okay. So we got a one and a six on the dice for a total of 18. So not only is the air pocket around the TARDIS extended, it is air conditioned. In empty space, there's a wah, 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 and the auditor grabs onto the outer door of the TARDIS, unlocks it, and uh, lets himself in, shakes off the almost cold of outside, and lets himself into the TARDIS console room proper. Knock, knock run over, open the door, grab it into the biggest hug ever, and then realize maybe that's not quite appropriate to do to your teacher, and then step back and with like a slightly apologetic look. It's too late because Maeve considered this a group hug and ran over to join. Aw, heck yeah. <laughs> Maeve, lovely to see you. If, if it seems like no one is falling over, then she will also join the, the group hug, you know, athletically. We don't need to do coordination roles for group hugs. I think that's I think that's an acceptable house rule. It's so nice to have you back. It's nice to be back. Did I miss anything? Why don't you just sit for a moment? It's okay. Just just come, please. Bless you. The auditor explains that from his perspective, I've been gone for months. I understand that relative to you, it's only been a matter handful of days. It took quite some time, literally, to deliberate on your actions. The disciplinary hearing of a Time Lord went about as well as it could have. 
wrestle on bless the exceptional mitigating circumstances. So he goes on to explain that uh, while the fixer directly contributed to the destruction of Ruption, you also helped save every life you could, on a broken foot, no less. That said, you have been present for the destruction of two planets in one semester, which is deemed a tad excessive. They do ask if you could please refrain from adding a third to that list. One is unfortunate, two seems like carelessness. I'd like to, to quote um, Calamity in this moment and say, yes, but, but things happen for a reason. That's very true. And they were interesting experiences, very valuable. It's funny you should mention interesting experiences with Calamity's friends, because the second charge against you, depositing a shrine of serendipity on Zabar, transplanting a religious order across time and space is forbidden. Why? Why is it a crime to transplant entire religious orders across time and space to a right. new environment? Because the reactions may not be entirely benign in most cases. That said, it was the Shrine of Serendipity, which don't actually do anything but go with the existing vibe. So you may as well have given a Hare Krishna a ride to the airport. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but okay. I don't either, but it sounds fun. Can we try that? And then he, he looks at the fixer. <clears throat> as to Tripshine, yeah. for the willing disobedience of the program, please hold out your wrist. Very serious face. Hold out the wrist. The auditor rubs his fingers together and smacks your wrist. Contact! Contact. The fixer experiences the memories and experience in compressed time of an hour of being shouted at by members of the council. You don't actually see their faces because they're standing on an adjudical plinth, you know, being cast of light from behind to be as intimidating as possible and like, what do you think you are doing and blah, 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 blah. Give me a roll, an awareness roll, and throw intuition to this, please. The difficulty will be 12 and you are at an advantage because you are a student of this school. Oh, squeaked on by with a four and a four and a dice and a total of 13. Beautiful. With no magic numbers on the dice, you've stood in the hallway before while the Dodger has gotten one of these earfuls that went on for several minutes. You've never been through one yourself, but the general impression is they don't really know how to punish young Time Lords for stuff like this since they're trying to teach you to do this stuff. Being control freaks of the unteenth factor need to have the satisfaction of knowing they gave you a solid talking to. Well, then I am going to look very ashamed. Mm. Very, very ashamed. Looking ashamed actually brings it to that much faster of a conclusion. <laughs> Did you just get a slap on the wrist? In a way, Maeve. But the truth of the matter is, they're very right. My bad actions, my, my not listening to basic information I'm being handed by people who are trying to research this stuff for us, went sideways and it could have harmed a lot of people. And it, honestly, if it weren't for you and Calamity, it would have hurt a lot. So they're absolutely right for reprimanding me in this moment, and hopefully I can make it up. The auditor silently gets up from his chair, takes off his jacket now that he's set down his uh, rucksack and everything, and as you're talking, quietly over to the console and drapes his jacket over the actual dispatch device on the console. Right, now we can talk. And he looks at Maeve. Your articles on the destruction of 
eruption have had ripple effects with the general public of the universe, which was part of the point. The program has not been so fortunate. All of this saving of time and space, the Doctor has made it look easy. You have made it seem fun. The Dodger didn't make it at all. Several students have ended their semester abroad prematurely to finish out their program on theoretical application of time travel. Aside from the Hexed, those wonder students, half the class has returned to Gallifrey. Auditor, I think I know why that is. The fundamental flaw in the doctoral program is that we're still separating ourselves from other species. We're still looking at ourselves as better than and more than and able to achieve more than every other species we're running into. And yet time and time again, our travels have have at least shown me that that is the exact opposite of what goes on in this universe. If we want the doctoral program to succeed, we need to include people who aren't time lords. Which brings me to your official first assignment now that your review has concluded. And he pulls out a scroll and there's a little as it connects Wi-Fi wise to the TARDIS and uploads quantum coordinates. And on the screen goes DEET, a spaceship that looks incredibly fancy. This is the Abundance. It is a Guggenheim-class museum luxury liner. Someone of great importance is about to have grand return to the public cultural eye. Gallifrey wants you to make sure it goes as smoothly as possible. Oh, good. Party security. I think we got that. Who is it? She's some sort of genius of the, the art world. I don't know if you've heard of her. Her name is Artemisma Kovic. Uh, she's done wonderful things across with performance art and so forth, but she's been bloody elusive, damned elusive, to get a hold of for, I think, roughly a decade. Well, it turns out that my editors asked me to get an interview. I was actually just trying to find the fixer to see if we could get tickets to this event. Well, I think, based on how Calamity might look at this, I think, again, this is the universe coming to our aid, and everything's going to work out perfectly. If we can do this, if we're supposed to handle security for this event, then why not simply get you a job there, Maeve, where you are literally the person in charge of taking uh, this famed artist from place to place within the facility? I mean, Calamity has a job, so it makes sense that I would also have a job. The, the auditor just pinches the bridge of his nose and says that nowhere on the actual release does it say security. It just says, see, it goes smoothly. Let's let's try to avoid putting words in, in the council's mouth. That, that, that's gotten us in some trouble before. If the, the, the idea is to make it go smoothly, where am I going to be during this? Well, Calamity, actually, I was hoping you would be our main guest liaison. You know, just making sure everybody has a good time and if, you know, things seem to others like they might be going south, you know, presenting your unique view might help, you know, get them back on board with the fun. So smoothly from my perspective and not from anyone else's. As long as they end the event feeling like they had a great event, I personally consider you being a great success at what you're going to do. All right, that seems challenging, but we'll, we'll, we'll give that a shot. Some of life's best things are challenges. You got this. Is she a squirrel? I don't think so. 
Artemis Makovec has the bearing of a of a European brunette in her late 60s, but her skin is plum blue. It's a really nice plum blue. But no, she is not a squirrel. So now, in reference to what the auditor was saying about the paperwork not saying anything about security, reach into the pocket, pull out the psychic paper, flip it towards him, and say, what do you mean we're not security? <laughs> Very good. I think we should show up in our finest clothes. I like this plan. Maeve says we should show up in our finest clothes, and a light from the hall just on like a spotlight, and it shows the path past the ordinary wardrobe to the fancy wardrobe. To the fancy wardrobe! Cut to the fancy wardrobe as a montage of the companions trying on fancy clothes. Clary's doing a lot of, of separates, um, you know, mixing and matching things. Actually, just mixing things. There's no actual <laughs> matching going on. But in the end, uh, she actually comes down to just the sort of like, sort of flowing white jumpsuit that's, you know, just, it's just featureless and stunning. And then she asks the uh, the TARDIS if it can just sort of randomly spray paint at There's it. There's a booth for that. Um, <laughs> how fast do you want to spin while it sprays? Yeah. I, she's just gonna do it, you know, manually spinning, just at varying rates. What just colors? All of them, I assume. Oh, nice. So you're starting with white and being painted all over. Okay, is there a certain artistic style yes. you're going for? Yes. Impressionism, cubism? I don't actually know. It's just sort of, you know, uh, is there is there a randomism? There is, there's a randomizer. No, ism, I mean, as a, as a style of art. I'm sure there is by the 30th century or so. There has to be a, a, a randomism. But it, it's gotta be, you know, it's not, it's gotta be just like speckles because we don't wanna, we don't wanna take away all the white. Mm -hmm. It's just gotta be, you know, it's gotta be evenly distributed except not. Beautiful. Yes. Maeve, walk us through your fashion show. Maeve at first looks at things that would be appropriate to wear to a fancy party in her era, but she quickly discards these because they don't suit her current sensibility anymore. She's grown beyond that. What she ends up finding is a power suit made in the late 80s or early 90s. Uh, the one I found as reference was made by Armani. It is a double-breasted pinstripe suit, a bit loose-fitting, with very kind of like wide-legged pants and high heels, and the collar of the blouse beneath kind of ties into a very neat knot, a bit like a cravat. And the minute she tries it on, she has clearly decided that she may never take it off. Tell us about the shoulder pads! The shoulder pads! <laughs> oh, there are definitely shoulder pads and they make her look very powerful. This is a powerful power suit. Odds or evens, Maeve? Um, odds. That's an 11. You are gonna be at a plus two to any social challenges involving confidence while you are wearing that suit today. Brava, that's wonderful. The auditor just uh, tries on a couple of minimalist, very, 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 very dark purple tuxedos with tails and find something with walnut buttons to go with a black shirt, dark purple tie with his usual paisley with planets, and a tuxedo black pith helmet with a ribbon of purple around it because it's space and space is dangerous. Fixer. So after the auditor and the companions are fully dressed and on, uh, on set, as it were, in the way they're going to be dressed, uh, I will definitely step out from having gotten dressed into a beautiful ankle-length 
blue dress with two slits up the side, blue corset with gold boning going up and down it, definitely a synthetic, not a real whalebone. The heels are hand-carved wood with white silk strapping that goes up in a traditional Greek style uh, bows on the back of the legs, stockings which have the pinstripe going up the back of the legs as well. Full eyeliner and eyeshadow in varying shades of blue to match the shades of blue of mm -hmm. uh, the fixer's usual outfit. Blue nails that go from one color of blue into the other color of blue with the accent nail on each hand uh, done up with a galaxy. The auditor gasps. You look smashing. Just smashing. How does it move? First, I just blush very deeply. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. It's it's actually pretty mobile. Cut to the TARDIS console room and Maeve, followed by <laughs> Calamity, followed by the auditor, followed by the fixer, strut into the console room. Fixer, please give me an ingenuity and transportation roll. Plus two for Time Lord to get to the ship on time and in space with a difficulty of 15 to beat. Difficulty of 15? I think we got this one. Plus, I don't want to mess up uh, my makeup, so it's better if we land in a way where we're not all like jumbled. Oh, there we go. Exactly. We have a three and a one on the dice for a total of 15. So with that one on the dice, your TARDIS materializes fashionably late. You are 15 minutes past the time that the last quote unquote cool person thought they were being the cool person edging their way into the ship. The TARDIS materializes inside of a hangar bay, similar in size to the one of the Sigourney, it's luxury small craft from one wall to the other. A vast parking bay surrounded by opulent cruisers, platinum plated personal transports of all kinds, including one that is practically neon pink, parked pristinely. The space parking lot of the society event of the season, if not the decade. Even the maintenance crew is neatly dressed. They spared no expense. There is a valet cabinet with keys to the ships standing before a grandiose portal to the museum lobby. How's everybody feeling? Excellent. Yes, amazing. <laughs> everybody looks fabulous. I think I think we're going to be the best dressed at the party. Of course we are. Why wouldn't we be? Beautiful. So yeah, you guys step out into the parking bay. The valet looks at you and just gives you a curt wave. Walk right up to the valet, flip open the psychic paper, and say, uh, hi, uh, we're here as part of executive security, and just give a knowing look. Presence and convince, plus two for the psychic paper. I would also like to use a story point if needed. Uh, well, if you spend a story point now, um, you can either bump up your success or spend it as rolling with advantage. Oh, let's go with bumping up the success. We already got a four and a six on the dice for a total of 17. Let's get it as high as possible. I mean, a 17 with a 6 on the dice is solid. You don't need to spend a, a story point here. He's like, oh, oh, I see. They've changed the uniforms uh, very well. The minute he says that, I'll lean in and whisper, it's so we appear like normal attendees. It makes it a lot easier to handle situations so that the rest of the guests don't know anything's happened. That's very smart. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. The hatch. <laughs> opens behind you, opening into the lobby of the Abundance. Well, we are going to have to stride in, 
looking like we own the place. Beautiful. So the four of us enter a wide open space with curved blank walls with good lighting, great acoustics, and a lot of people. Security and catering staff use speedy vaders off to the side, stepping in and disappearing. Well-dressed guests of every color mingle and keep an eye on who's here, who's late, and who's seeing them. Classical music pipes through the audio system. This is merely the entrance suite. The main gallery is directly ahead, while to the right and the left, long halls wait with sculptures and art hanging in the walls. Everyone, please give me an awareness roll. Intuition, please. Calamity's smiling. What did you get, Calamity? I have an 18 with two sixes. You have an 18 with two sixes. That is absolutely incredible. The hoity of the patoity are at this party, and you immediately spot uh, Kitsy Fansington, your pink cat kind associate from your time on Joybalance, not that far away, talking with a woman that barely clears five feet, wearing gold lame parachute pants under a neon pink power sweater. Mae, what did you get with your awareness roll? Uh, I got a four and a five for a 16. Okay. Maeve, with your 16, you see that this place is quite busy. There are a lot of wealthy people walking around. You do not see anyone matching um, the pictures you've seen of Artemis Makovec in here from the biography and the various uh, art books you've been studying. Hmm. I don't see her anywhere here. Yeah, the only thing you see of her is on one of those uh, banners that uh, shifts digitally every 30 seconds or so from uh, Welcome to the Galactic Gallery Gala uh, to um, a picture of Artemisma looking off and inspirational and a little bit windswept. <laughs> Fixer, what did you roll with your awareness? Well, apparently I must have uh, tightened this corset a little too tight since I was tightening it on my own. And uh, I am a little out of breath because I got a one and a three on the dice for only a total of nine. Only a total of nine. Man, it is fancy in here. There are some fancy <laughs> things in here. Yeah, it's, it's plenty fancy. Kitsy. I rolled a three and a four and I have an awareness of fours for an 11. 11. Okay. You've been loitering around the lobby and talking with these people who, you know, they're not on your level, obviously, but they're, they're okay. They never are. They never are. You can't see who just walked in through the doors, but you did just hear them open, so you know someone new has just arrived. I'll take the fixer's arm, offer, offer them an arm, and say, uh, would you care to escort me around the area? I think I need to take a look around for Artemis. But of course. Extend an arm out and begin uh, escorting Maeve through the uh, party, making sure to meet everybody's gaze as they gave us, gaze at us. Oh, yeah. We're, we're making eye contact with anyone who stares. <laughs> Beautiful. A calamity will definitely be lying to Kitsy. Oh, wonderful. The help! Oh, the help! Welcome back! Did I hire you for this event? No, no. I mean, I don't know. Possibly you did. Did you? I mean, I usually think of everything, so probably. <laughs> it just, um, uh, uh, no, just, uh, right, um, yes, uh, uh, the fixer said something about security. 
uh, a few times you said that. So, yes, just things being smooth. Whoopsie! Clearly, I... Moopsie forgot to tell me that she hired a few things, so you know, come on in. It's great to see you. From a foot lower to the ground, you hear smacking sounds as someone with a sparkly sequined uh, black clutch purse smacks people out of the way. It's like, is that calamity, Hep? Darling dear, it's been ages and ages. Why, you haven't changed a bit since last time I laid eyes on you. And this old woman, just riddled with age, she is 90 if she's a day, cut like more wrinkles than skin, frost white hair um, that she has not bothered to brush, which kind of just looks cool on its own, um, but wearing a neon pink power sweater over gold lame parachute pants, pushes glasses up on her face and says, I'm so glad you made it. This is just wonderful. You don't remember me, do you? <laughs> I don't. Not at all. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this. Oh, how I wish I was in your position. This is Alia Pence. <laughs> That's right. How do you do? And she just snaps, and you hear the arthritic cracks of her knuckles, and she points to the ceiling from which there is a chandelier about which are spinning the holographic words, um, Pence Arts Foundation. Like what I've done with the place? Yes, it's great. That's magical. That's just fantastic. Where are your friends? You didn't come here alone. Oh, I mean, they should be extremely visible. I look around. (laughs) (laughs) Fixer! Fixer! Where's that babe girl? Don't hide. I know you're out here somewhere. (laughs) The minute I hear the yelling, I will... Uh, start leading Maeve in that direction, as if that's where we always intended to go all along. It's intentional. <laughs> as we get closer, and I realize that Kitsy is standing next to this person. Pixie, darling! I am going to uh, step one leg slightly back, one st- leg slightly forward, so that way I can do a full deep bow, just using the slits in the dress to allow it to happen. Mm. And say, Kitsy, oh, it is such a joy to see you. Radiant as always. Darling... You got that dress before I did, you little scamp. It looks amazing on you. Oh, thank you. Well, I always try to emulate the styles of those I respect. And as you know, I have great respect for you. You know, if I was going to lose that dress to anyone, I'm glad it's you, darling. Thank you. That is the highest compliment. Are you my security? Whoopsie, did you hire the fixer? Whoops, whoopsie. So glad to see you. She doesn't remember a thing, but come on in. It's so good to see you, Kitsy. It's been too long. You brought Maeve. It's so lovely to see the whole team again. We're not going to run for our lives this time, right? Right. Of course not. Why would we do that? I got enough exercise. Only for exercise. (laughs) The shriveled old woman hands her black uh, sequined clutch purse off to a very tall, very wide brick of muscle next to her, completely bald catches it and one hand's like, no, but we will be doing some running. <laughs> when you all are the tour, it's a wonderful ship. I paid for everything, so everyone has to do what I say. Miss Vegeting took care of the underwriting. Bravo, it's wonderful. We all know why she's really here. She couldn't resist the chance to be a collector and show it all off. Well, if you have it, 
You have to flaunt it. <laughs> See, this is why I like you so much, Fixie. You understand me in a deep and powerful way. <laughs> a passing caterer walks by with a silver tray stronging just eye-wateringly of salty, vinegar, pil pickled things. The little old lady uh, just does grabby fingers for them and like gold finger, uh, gold rings are like clattering on her fingers as she just reaches into uh, onto the tray, grabs a bowl of pickled eggs and just sloshes them in. My last doctor told me I had too high cholesterol and had to cut out salty food, but he's dead now and I'm still kicking, so who's the real winner here? You? It is your fifth bowl of the day, darling. <laughs> Don't tell me how to live! And Kitsy's just gonna like give the like give the side eye to the three of them and just go back to stroking Moopsie and just shuts up. She reaches out one of those gold uh, ring-covered hands to Calamity. Is like it has been so long. You, that's what you wore the last time. That's just wonderful. You're so creative. So so you. Always, pretty much. How long has it been? <laughs> oh, man. How long has it been since I've seen you, dearie? It's been... Uh, let me count off my figures. It was uh, the 14th of... No, I think it might have been the 17th of Ultra May, but that was... I'm not entirely sure, but I have met you before. I'm certain of that much. Oh, of course. I would never doubt your memory. Not at Arlington. Please, who wants to see the ship? You really should go. It's very, very chic, darling. Oh, then this will be a truly entertaining and enjoyable tour. Okay, you you are here. You can go straight ahead, you can veer off to the left, you can veer off to the right. The little old lady, Alia, she she stops, she like spins around. Right, where was I going to take you first? I believe it was security. After all, we're, you're, we're here to help make sure everything goes smoothly. I mean, I'm pretty sure I hired you to do that. Moopsie said so. Whoopsie! You can trust that cat. I believe we were meant to ensure the personal safety of Miss Kovac. I'm sure she'll appreciate that. She's very, she's very secretive and elusive. That's, that's just what artists are like these days, I understand. But we got her. We got her. <laughs> if there's anyone who could do it, it's you, Kitsy. Damn queer. She puts two knuckle knobby fingers in her mouth and just whistles. The, even the classical music overhead just pauses and everybody looks and like they just part to make way for her because she's just gonna push through them anyway. And you guys now have a direct beeline to the nearest speed evader that will take you wherever you want to go on the ship. As we walk there, uh, I would like to lag behind with the fixer and lean over and just whisper, do we know her? I have no idea. <laughs> and that worries me a little. Uh, you get on the, the speed evader. Where was it, dearie? Security? Yes, please. Security. Bing! And you, the door opened to a bank of television screens, closed circuits that uh, have small screens surrounding three walls of the bank. Um, with security people wearing very fancy things. And um, there's a gentleman in a tuxedo who's rather obese, standing off to one side, talking to the head of security. Walk right over behind them as if waiting in line to be spoken to next. 
Also, I have a strong feeling that Moopsie absolutely loves security, so I she's probably dancing on her pillow right now. <laughs> Why does Moopsie love security? Because Moopsie has the heart of a lion, damn it. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, there's a rather large man in a stretching to bursting uh, tuxedo standing next to the rather stone-faced, not literally, stone-faced uh, security captain. And he looks your way, the security guard, help you? Yes, I'm hoping that you can. I was hoping to long pause him and then just give a long look over to Kitsy as if, how do you not know why we're here? Oh, darling, darling, Gerald, was it? Sure, that's your name today, Gerald. They're supposed to be part of security. I'm pretty sure I hired them or Moopsie hired them. Oh, uh, Miss, Miss Fancington. As you remember, what Moopsie wants for security, Moopsie gets. I would trust Moopsie with my life. The little old lady just stares up at him and like, you wouldn't disagree with a small cat, would you? And the security guard is immediately just <laughs> cowed into submission. Calamity, Maeve, give me an awareness roll as you take in the, 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 the sparkling screens and all the interesting sci-fi stuff around you. This will be awareness and intuition, please. Maeve, you can add your reportery instincts if you would be so inclined. That is a six and a one for a total of 16 for me. I have a 14 with nothing special on the dice. With the 14 on the dice, Calamity, you are able to tell the cameras cover pretty much every different portion of the ship outside of the restrooms. But uh, you can see catering from here. You can see the engineering room from here. Everything is running according to ship shape. The ship has actually taken off from its stationary position from here on the screens, you can see everybody goes, uh, at just the slightest brush as the ship gets underway. Maeve, with the 16, as you're glancing around, um, the, the cameras shift from time to time, just so that people aren't staring at the exact same image every minute of their shift. You do not see Artemis Makobek in any of the rooms. You see people talking, you see people talking in front of banners of her, but you do not see her herself. Okay. Fixer. So now, now that you have the the security captain's undivided attention and obeisance, what would you like to talk about? So first question is: I look around at the ambient technology in this period. Does it look like they have some equivalent to a portable tablet or anything like that? Oh sure. Point at one of those and say, uh, "Sir, we're going to need at least three of those with feeds to all of your cameras being projected to each one of those, uh, just so me and my team have access to them while we're working today." As you're talking, you're hearing the clinky snap snap beneath you of uh, Alia telling this guy to hustle. You, you, you. Tablets, hand over their tablets and they pull open a drawer and they deedly deep up their backups so they keep the backups. You now have little mini screens of the security feeds. You are going to need to give me an ingenuity and a technology role to get the immediate gist. Given your technology aptitudes, I'd say uh, Calamity and Fixer both have good chances of immediately cottoning to it, while Maeve will be at a disadvantage because this looks nothing like her pocket reporter. So yeah, the, picking up new tech and like just going, oh, okay. This is going to be ingenuity plus uh, technology if you have it. Give me a roll of 12 and Maeve, you are at disadvantage. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that checks. That's a one and a three for an eight. 
You look at it, you touch the screen and the whole thing goes blank. <laughs> goes to sleep. I turn on my <laughs> heel and begin to stride away. <laughs> <laughs> Calamity. Fixer, what did you get trying to beat 12? Uh, I got a 14 with a 6 on one of the dice. So yeah, Calamity has definitely seen slash pawned one of these before. Oh fun, we can randomize and we can see different screens. You're the one to figure out that it is also voice activatable. We can see the gallery and it, show, and it says, show, gallery. Fixer, what did you roll? Got a 6 and a 5 on the dice for a total of 20. You immediately sync your Sonic to this thing. So now you've got this conduit to the security. You will be at a plus two to interacting with the security system with your Sonic involved. Yeah, like you have immediately cottoned and picked this up and like, okay, cool. So once we have that in place and we all have one, and Maeve is definitely understands this technology, <laughs> um, I'm going to look back at the security, the head of security and say, uh, sir, what are the things that you are most personally worried about? for today's event. He looks at you, he looks at the tablets in your hands, and he says, you're looking at them. Guests aboard this ship are some of the wealthiest, most vulnerable people in the galaxy, and they've all shown up in the same place. We are, our, our hackles are up. And um, next to him, the large man, He's like, everything's been taken care of. We've made sure of it. We've made, we've made absolutely sure that their capabilities are of their absolute <coughs> utmost. I'm going to tap him on the shoulder and be like, eh, take what he says with a grain of salt. I mean, I did the underwriting, so I know I thought of everything that I could, but, well, I'll let him tell you what his story is, but it's, he's changed. Chain? Tell a family secret, that's rather rude of you. Kitsy, do we talk about your hairballs in mixed company? Excuse me? That was quite rude. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lowskeld, how very dare you. Muscle. A hush falls over the security room as, like, from every station, the security people just, like, turn. Like, oh. And Moopsie is glaring right at him. Apologies. I meant no offense. No, sir. I believe you absolutely did. You know what, Fixie? Why don't you take over for Mr. Lowe's kill? It would be an honor and a pleasure. Wonderful. Since we're the ones paying for security, that means you work for me. Why don't you do something useful and get back on the gallery floor? I'm only going to agree because that's what I wanted you to do anyway. <laughs> Hold my nose as high as I can as I turn away from him and follow as Kitsy out the door. Come with me, darling. <laughs> that gentleman was, uh, interesting. I didn't like him very much. The Lowe's girls can be a real handful. That was Augustus. He's one of the sour ones of the lot. I mean, let's be honest. The Lowe's girls have always been a bit of pricky. I mean, let's, to use a low-class word, they are a little bit pricky. But lately, they've changed. They're... Don't take this the wrong way, please. I am not body-shaming anyone. But they're quite large. And it happened in a very short amount of time. 
Well, didn't they say they were taking that eating tour of Space Milan? That would account for it, as far as I know. Alia, you have gone, I have gone, Moopsie has gone on that vacation. Did we come back looking quite literally twice the size? Moopsie. Well, that's true. The Speedy Vader opens up back at uh, a corner in Gallery Hall B. The quick question I'd like to ask is, is there a view on our security feed of the security room? Oh, that's an excellent question. That's an absolutely brilliant question. Add a story point to your current total. Uh, what does that bring you to, by the way? Does that bring you to six, to seven? Uh, that would bring me back up to six. Back up to six, okay. Updating our sheet. It's not a high res shot, but there is a closed circuit camera in the corner that can actually just see into security itself. Excellent question. So how agitated does Augustus as it look? His body language says he forgot about you the minute you were out of the room. And right now he's just folding his arms across his massive barrel chest and watches the shindig. So this gent right here has doubled in size since his last vacation? Like I said, I don't want to body shame him and it is an eating tour, but it's, it's a lot in a short amount of time. I wonder if he's eating for two. Who else has been suffering from this condition? That's the whole family. They all went and they all ballooned right up. Never seen anything like it. I don't know how a whole family does that. Look at Maeve say, I wonder if they picked up some sort of parasite. I hear those can happen when you go to foreign places and eat food sometimes. Maybe they drank the water? Isn't that backwards? In my experience, when you go to foreign places and try the food, as long as you eat the food that, as it's prepared with the spices, the spices kill the parasites. And I feel like Space Milan would not be such a great destination if people were picking up whatever's causing that. I mean, Space Milan's space spaghetti is inexperience. <laughs> hmm. I guess we'll have to check that out then. What is even more curious is I haven't seen Miss Kobeck anywhere. Well, that's because she's in seclusion. She's being all mysterious before the big show. Bruno, where's the thing? The large man that has been behind her and largely invisible reaches into a pocket and pulls out a pamphlet. It has the museum layout, the itinerary for the evening's show. You have started the trip round the stars and people are mingling, people are listening to little earpieces and taking the guided tour, but uh, Madame Kobeck's new piece is slated to start later this evening and the general gist is that she is preparing mentally until the big show. I think we do need to slip Bruno one of the phones just in case. One of the smartphones, okay. You did not pack those. You packed your repair kit. Oh, that's fair. And you do not have, you do not wear pockets right now. However, Oh, excellent point. If the auditor had the foresight to bring a backup smartphone, even Zarad, fixer. Uh, let's go on. Okay, that is again an 11. So the auditor standing right next to you is like, oh, backup phone, here you go. And hands one over to Bruno. Quite a stunning gentleman you have here. He's quite a large fellow. I had him cloned. You are standing in a beautiful gallery hall of large framed paintings hung beneath Vinvachi skylights. Alia points to the skylights overhead and talks briefly about how later in the tour, the ship is going to be passing under an ultraviolet star for a special experience. 
guests mingle, see who's seeing them. There are wide landscape paintings taking up a good amount of space, in addition to vases, mirrors, and sculptures arranged around the hall with little bowls holding what look like uh, crystal balls. Can I please get an awareness and intuition roll from everybody? Versus a difficulty of 12. Got a two and a six on the dice for a total of 13. It's not my day. I got a three and a one for a total of 11. Okay. A six and a five for a total of 17. Oh, that's great. Kitsy, what did you get with awareness? Three and a six on the dice for a 15. Starting at the top with the most noticing, Calamity, your eye is immediately drawn. You catch someone playing with matches. Ooh, fire! You see glowing light plays against the walls on the far side of the hallway. The mirrors are there so that people can uh, have a vantage point of the far side. And there are portraits lining both sides of the walls all of these mains are Artemis Kobeck originals. Everything in here was painted by Kobeck. These particular portraits are rather, they're not her most exotic work. They definitely show her brushwork. Calamity. You get to the far side, like scooting through and like, hey, blah, blah. and uh, behind you, Alia is like, and gives another whistle and the crowd parts for Calamity to reach what looks like a Christmas tree of bowls attached to a metal pole out on little limbs. And in these bowls are little crystal balls. In one of the bowls on this tree are matches. And one of the guests in a gorgeous dress is like, do it again, do it again. They scratch it, the light flares, and they put it before and after and around the crystal ball and see it play out against the, the walls on either side. Oh. Calamity is is very excited by this. She's like, ooh, do them all at once. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. They they make a fist and scratch them all, and there's a whoosh, and the light really expands and stretches across the crystal ball. Fixer, what did you get with awareness? It was a two and a six on the dice for a total of 13. So yeah, you follow Calamity up the way of the, the fire and everything. You turn around and recognize the alien species that's been painted into this massive landscape that takes up the entire half of this wing. You are staring at an open grassy field on a sunny day with some clouds and hanging like a chandelier is uh, one of the Atraxi. They are glass shards surrounding a single massive eyeball and it is staring at an open, empty grass lawn. And on either side behind it are um, slightly smaller, denoting that they're further back, um, a Traxi also staring at the same spot. In my mind, how would Artemisia have ever been exposed to these tracks? Artemisma has traveled the universe. She has visited other planets. She has done performance art in the far reaches of the galaxy. The painting in question, Eternal Vigilance, uh, in the pamphlet reads that it pits the viewer in a staring contest with the Atraxi and asks us, what does it mean to be seen? Mm, that's good. What, do, what else would I know about the Atraxi in general? What would I have learned in the doctoral program? Give me an ingenuity roll and add two. 
And uh, Time Lord knowledge. Okay, we got a 1 and a 4 in the dice for a total of 13. With a 13, you remember, you recall from your days at the Academy that the Atraxi are not a major threat by any stretch of the imagination. They usually only leave their own spatial territory pursuing someone they think has wronged them. They have very strong senses, overinflated senses of justice, um, but they are, so, they are also unblinking in their pursuit of those they believe have wronged them. Okay, I'm going to put an arm around the auditor's waist mm-hmm. and pull him close, mm-hmm. and with my face point at the uh, painting mm-hmm. and say, so the eyes of justice are endlessly searching through this crowd. That is an interesting choice. Practically follows you across the room. Did you notice the crystal balls? Start looking for the crystal balls. Give me an awareness and technology roll with plus two for being a time lord. What did you see? <laughs> You're the PC, so we're going to ask you first. That's fair. I uh, got a six and a three on the dice for a total of 14. It takes you just a second of like, wait a minute, those aren't crystals. This is Gallifreyan technology. Oh no. Some of these crystal balls are just glass, but one of them in the same kind of bowl here with the others is Gallifreyan. This is something uh, on loan uh, with a grant from the Gallifreyan Arts Council. Pull out Sonic and quickly scan it. Okay, give me an uh, intuition and technology with add two for the Sonic, please. Maeve, while the fixer is rolling on that, you have not seen any more uh, obese people belching their way through the halls. You have also not seen Artemis Makovec. Well, that's unfortunate, um, but these crystal things don't particularly interest Maeve. Uh, I'd like to go take more looks. Uh, I'd like to see if I can find any uh, landscapes that Artemisma has done. So you've got Eternal Vigilance there, and that one is the wide of the open grassy lawn with absolutely nothing blocking line of sight. When um, Alia says, oh, you want to see more landscapes? We can do that at tree. Come right this way. Oh, of course. She turns and stops and is like, nope, not that way, and heads for the televator rather than going into the room um, and heads for the, the speedy vader next to the entryway. I am loath to split the party. Fixer, uh, what did you roll with technology and uh, intuition and the sonic? Was a two and a five for a total of 15. So yeah, uh, you are looking at a stasis cube like, in human hands, in most biped hands, it's just pretty glass. But with a Time Lord holding it, trying to activate it, they could use it to affect the artwork. And the matches and everything are making it quite visually stunning. Lean into the auditor one more time. Really trying to emphasize so hopefully uh, not, nobody outside of our group can hear it. What an interesting piece of equipment to leave around in the hands of other people. The auditor scrunches their face in, in like, mild concern? Like, like that's not dangerous? It couldn't really be used to hurt someone? All the same, it is not a toy. They must have extended quite some trust in this, this Miss Kovic. And that's when he notices that uh, Alia is starting to tug on uh, Maeve to take her towards the speedy uh, I did want to did want to ask while we were walking. What exactly does that do then? 
from what I understand, it can affect each one of these paintings, which again worries me considering one of them is the eternal vigilance of justice pointed at all of the guests. If we weren't walking out of the room, I'm so tempted to activate it and see. <laughs> uh, the auditor says, well, it, it, it looks like a Gallifreyan tapestry. It's bigger on the inside. Uh, you could, in essence, transplant something into the painting, which would be a rather bold art experiment. Well, she is a bold artist, darling. Um, and Alia's like, oh, yes, it's wonderful. We haven't, we've thought of everything. Come along. There are more landscapes this way. Opens up the Speedy Vader and pulls Bruno in behind her. And here's the funny thing. So from your perspective, Maeve, the doors, uh, the, you get into the Speedy Vader, the doors shut. And they open again immediately and the room has reversed because you've literally just crossed the hallway from, the, from Gallery B to Gallery A. Um, and you are uh, facing into uh, Gallery A, where there are more portraits done by Ms. Kovac across the hall, across the hallway. Uh, but on the far side here is another, it's actually a really nice, really cozy hearth with a groaning table laden with just amazing, delicious food from one end to the other and uh, empty chairs as far as the eye can see. Um, and there is another Christmas tree of crystal balls here. If we uh, just went across the room, couldn't we? Why did we? You know what? Never mind. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, just call it an old lady's fancy. I don't want to meet my heroes. I just want to watch them do their thing. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, would you excuse me? I need to go see about the catering. And she slips away. Um, with uh, Bruno back towards uh, a speedy vader down uh, towards this end of the elbow of... Does the food here appear to be part of the art exhibit, or is this laid out for guests? The food in the painting, it looks mouthwatering. There is a wide variety of cuisine, um, but the food is in the painting. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, caterers are walking around with silver trays of things just swimming in vinegar. <laughs> vinegar? Mm. Everything's pickled. Everything <laughs> on service is pickled. Kitsy, are you following a new diet plan? Let's be honest here. I keep my own stash of snackums wherever I go. I wouldn't have made those choices. If possible, what I'd like to do is walk over to the nearest uh, crystal sculpture pull off the equivalent um, uh, device and reach into the painting and grab something, a plate of something succulent and offer it to the uh, companions. So to use one of the stasis cubes, we are going to need a roll of ingenuity plus technology plus being a time lord, so two points for that, versus 21. Like a lot of Gallifreyan tech, there are psychic instructions. You read the instructions and like basically you just have to hold it between your perspective and the painting and if you want to get the food out of it you'd have to put your hand on the far side of the ball and reach in and try to pull food out and that's going to be an ingenuity and technology roll versus 21 uh, plus two for time lord that's fair i would like to use 
two story points for this. Spending two story points is enough of an expenditure to just do oh. something this small. So, I'll take it. So yeah, you hold it up and it's like, oh, it's. I think it's like... Should be right about here. And you pull out a plate of steaming hot food of whatever you managed to grab. And there's a little ripple of, ooh, ooh, from the other people around. They grab one of the crystal balls like, because there's a force field separating actual people from touching the painting with their vinegary hands. So yeah, you're causing quite a little stir here. Fixie, you rogue. Would you care for something a little less vinegary and hopefully more scrumptious? <laughs> Kitsy always does scrumptious over vinegar, darling. Thank you. Maeve looks like she is about to, and then she remembers Joybolent, and I think I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Calamity also remembers jo- Joybolent and immediately takes some. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you've reached into a painting and pulled out the food, and it, in, in real life, it satisfies your senses as you imagined it would. Over your shoulder, you hear a light little chuckle. Someone got it. Someone figured it out. That is, that's just wonderful. Everyone, give me an awareness roll. Uh, you are at an advantage. That is a total of 15 with a 6 on one of the dice. I got a 6 and a, a, and a 6 for a total of 15. Because people are parting and crowding closer to the painting, and it's like, zzz, zzz, none of them get it because, number one, they're just using crystal balls, and number two, they're humans. But this woman in an elegant little black suit with a uh, name tag on it uh, emblazoned that reads Magda. She's like maybe 5'2 at best. She's got very short, very dark hair. She's dressed like you would expect an artist's assistant to dress. The cracker that makes the caviar pop, basically. Chuckling to herself like you figured it out. You're the first ones to do that. How'd you do that? Oh, she's gonna be so impressed. She's gonna be so happy. Someone did it. We aim to please. Maeve, you have been poring over Artemisma's work for at least a couple of days in advent of hoping that you would be getting an interview. Magda, you wrote the foreword of one of the books I read on Artemisma. Oh, that's incredible. I, I didn't know it was out of proofs yet. That's wonderful. Uh, I, I'm sorry, have we met? I don't, I don't recognize you. We haven't met yet, but I'm sure we're going to be great friends. My name is Maeve Sullivan. Oh, how do you do? And she reaches out and uh, shakes your hand. And she's a small person, like she's not extravagant at all. She shakes her hand and it's warm and sincere. And it's like, and uh, who are who are your, your, your friends? How did you do that? No one else has come close. The Fixer is very, very talented. And this is my companion as well, Calamity Hap. Hello. Oh, hello. I love what you're wearing. That is so, that is so creative with all the colors. Oh. Thank you. Artemisma's gonna love that, by the way. She's going to, she's gonna absolutely love it. It's slightly sticky, but it looks great. Do you happen to know Artemisma? She blushes and says, uh, we're married. Oh, that's wonderful. How are you, darling? Is Artemisma doing okay in the suites? Oh yes, no, she's, she's, she's doing fine. You know, she's just doing last preparation. She's gonna do a little speech in a few minutes and then the show, it's gonna be wonderful. She like she shakes hands with the fixer and the otter. Nice to meet you. Make the point of transferring the uh, device into the opposite hand and shake her hand. 
hello. That's so nice to Ooh, spark. Hi. <laughs> Hi. We are all incredible fans of your spouse. I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> the work she's done for this, the people she's pulled together to make it all happen, it was it was a climb getting her to come out of her shell and leave research mode and inspiration mode to come <laughs> come back out and But what did I tell you? I told you everyone was going to love it, everyone was going to come out because you know, no expense spared. She looks at Kitsy and gives her a patient look of like what can you do? They're the ones paying for everything. Like you got her here, you achieved your miracle. <laughs> As I am quite proud. You just wanted to add her to your collection, you cat. Oh, darling, why would you say that? No, I am a great, great fan, and being able to meet the artist after ten years is quite a coup. I won't deny it, but don't you have everything you need, darling? Magda! Artemisba is certainly a talented artist, and your writing shows how brilliant her work is. I was wondering if it would be possible to speak with you and Artemisba later. Uh, I work for the press, and I would love to write an article really showing the world how brilliant the both of you are. Give me a presence and convince and use that new boost in your skill that you picked up with those experience points to try and get that interview. Can I also add plus two for the social challenges from my outfit? Yes, you can. You are rocking the confidences of the powered suit and the power of pinstripes compels you. Okay, so I got... Um, I rolled three dice because this is my specialization, so I got a three, a two, and a six for a total of 19. Magda's gonna have to beat that. What is with the 11s today? It's all fives and sixes. So her resolve is actually pretty good. So four plus another is 15. Yeah, so you've done pretty well with her. Getting to see Misma before the show was a difficulty of 24. The fact that you had a six on the dice and her low roll takes some of that away as well. You know, I, I, I think it could be possible. Just make it quick. Of course. We don't want to interrupt what she's going to be preparing herself for. Let me just check with her real quick. She disappears into the Kovex suite behind you. So yeah, she has disappeared up the hallway back into the Kovex suite proper. This looks like it might take a minute. And you guys hear more uproarious laughter and belching from uh, some basso voices in the main ballroom, which is not that far away. Not too long after that, Alia steps out of the speedy Vader in the elbow crook of this hallway, just is. Sorry, kids, I had to stop for a refill. And Bruno is holding another tray of pickled things. It's like, who wants to see more of the ship? Isn't this thing a mute? It's quite nice. It truly is gorgeous. Darling, if you're going to take care of the catering, you're not supposed to eat all of the catering. Piffle, I can do whatever I want. I paid for most of the stuff in here. Um, and she just wanders back down the hall, scoots into the ballroom. As we're passing by that next landscape, what does it show? The landscape down here on the lower crook, a wide open vista of Monument Canyon in 
the west of America. Fixer, give me an awareness roll with intuition, please. And throw Time Lord senses on there for me. Feel a turn of the universe. I have a five and a two for a total of 14. Yeah, there's some pretty vases here. The most opulent room by far. The ballroom is an expansive hexagonal space that is filled uh, with artwork galore. Mirrors dot the floor, and paintings, big and small, adorn the walls and their own stands on the floor. And there is another really big landscape in here taking up the center space on the floor. Elsewhere, a handful of overweight well-to-dos are chortling and clinking glasses with the guests. Where you see in here, the M is for mirrors over here on the southwest side of the wall, there is a portrait up of the Lowesgeld family, painted uh, sometime, I want to say, more than six months ago, and the Lowesgeld family are significantly slimmer in the painting than they are in the room. Maeve's eye is drawn because she was looking for more landscapes. Across the floor towards the north end are an overhead shot at an angle of an open hedge maze that is completely empty of people trying to poke through. And at various corners inside the labyrinth made of hedge are all these little mirrors, hedge height mirrors, lines of sight throughout the hedge maze. And this is called the Reflecting Labyrinth, which according to the pamphlet, explores the meaning of insight and what it means to get lost too deeply in introspection. Oh, that's deep. I'm going to go take a closer look at the Reflecting Labyrinth. Give us an uh, ingenuity uh, intuition roll. That is a two and a one for a ten. It is a very pretty painting. Fixer, you have to take a look at this. It's gorgeous. That does seem quite beautiful. It really does. While I'm looking at that, I'm able to keep my eyes on the same imagery of the Lowesgeld family. Mm -hmm. So I can see its reflection in this. The mirrors are made of paint in the painting. They're not reflecting oh, anything. Okay. And they're at an angle so that they're not, you're getting an overhead view of a flat labyrinth. Mm. There are literal mirrors in the room, but while you're in the heart of the room, there aren't any mirrors facing each other because that would be, you know. Calamity. Mm -hmm. I find something odd and I'd love to get your take on it. All right, I like odd things. So we have food on one side, and when reaching into that portrait, there's food. And then there's a family that's supposed to be at this party who's over in that portrait over there. And I'm so very tempted to just reach in and pluck whoever seems the most resilient to trauma out of there and uh, ask them some questions. Good idea, bad idea? Well, I I mean, it's what's... So I'm, I'm not really clear, because I ate, I ate some of the food, you know. Um, is what's in the paintings real? To clarify, not all of the portraits and paintings are Gallifreyan canvas. A select handful have used Gallifreyan canvas, like Waiting Feast and Reflecting Labyrinth and Eternal Vigilance, but the Lowesgeld family portrait is not a Gallifreyan piece of artwork. It is just a traditional flat oh. portrait. Okay. I misunderstood that. <laughs> if a misunderstanding happened, that's my fault as the GM for not being more clear. Is it just the ones that are next to the um, uh, to the crystal things on the map? Typically, or at least the, the crystal things are nearby. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Calamity, give me an awareness and intuition roll. I have a 14 with nothing special. 
you're looking around and you're seeing the the Lowesgeld chatting it up loudly in the center of the room, but you don't see any of them eating anything. They're toasting their champagne and everything, but none of them have touched the food. Hmm. Maybe they're full. I'm going to go directly up to one and ask. So yeah, you reach a group of well-dressed, mostly Teutonic blonde, uh, very pale people of a certain girth. They are well-dressed. They are dripping with gold and things like that. You've got Werner, you've got Heidi, and you've got Harcourt Lowesgeld down here presently chatting it up and like, this is going to be an absolutely smashing occasion, just smashing occasion. We're all so delighted to be here. And he's like, oh yes, love the, the jumped suit you're wearing. That's, that's just marvelous. Oh, thank you. Um, I actually wanted to ask, were you making some sort of statement about bigness or? He looks at you? bursts out laughing with a big plosive B like <laughs> statements about girth. No, no, no. We just packed on a little bit too much in Milan as it goes. <laughs> and he ribs you with an elbow. He's not gonna we're not gonna do a physical challenge for it, but he's not trying to be soft about it either when he elbow checks you in return for kinda calling him fat. Oh absolutely, yes. Heidi Lowesgeld turns to you like, aren't you naughty thing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually curious how that, the whole tour thing was. It's like space food from Space Milan. Does that, does that last a lot longer? So you're just not hungry afterwards? Or is it just taste better? Heidi blinks at you. Her cheeks turn redder with consternation and frustration of like, I have no idea what to say to this person in front of me. Actually, no, I've been starving half the evening, but we don't touch this dreck, all this vinegar, Blah. Oh, the pickling. Yes, I'm sorry about that. Um, it's horrendous, we wanted caviar. Lean in at that moment and interrupt and say, if you'd like, I can grab you some from the painting. Ooh. The, the tallest, oldest of the group with uh, frosts of white in his hair, his eyes narrow on you. It's like, what was that? You rumbled them? Time Lord. As he says that, I'm going to start backing away so I can angle him or his group of people between me and the um, eternal vigilance <laughs> and then open the way. The minute he says Time Lord at me with that tone, I'm opening the painting behind him, so that way, as he is standing in that perspective, he is now in perspective with the Atraxa. The Eternal Vigilance is out here. Oh, okay, fair enough. They are standing Damn over Hyun, and the mm -hmm. Reflecting Labyrinth is up Hyun. However, that is an inspired idea, and if you can get them into a line of sight like that, that is absolutely something you can do. The largest of them, Harcourt, says, Time Lord, and you back up. What I am going to give you, and please make a note on your sheet, when and if the opportunity presents itself for you to try that kind of maneuver with the Lowesgelds, you will be at an advantage because it's now Ooh. something that you're just like, okay, I'll be ready when the time presents. I will take that advantage. Are we all hearing this happen, the weird Time Lord thing? <laughs> oh my, yes. Yeah, like you guys are just, you're, you're in the middle of the room and like people are talking and whatever, but like the fact that you're holding and people are looking from other little groups like, did he reach into a painting? I didn't know they could do that. Oh my I God. I am going to look at the fixer. You've met them before? 
Harcourt narrows his eyes at the fixer and says, we know the type. He's going to do a challenge. He's going to shove Maeve back uh, since you are the closest to them. And this is going to be a strength roll. 14 with conflict added on is three for 17. Can you beat a 17 with uh, strength and conflict? I got a six and a four for a 15. So no, but I got a six. You got a six and he got a one. So there's a yes but here. So yes, you are shoved back, but you are not injured at all. This was more just a get back and give us room. Harcourt raises his wrist and shouts, the jig's up! <laughs> the, the, the trio of obese people in front of you uh, reach up and dramatically pinch the side of their temple and trace a zipper line across their scalp as me as sickly yellow green light emerges from underneath of alien power underneath this thing. And in the tradition of dramatic Kuvian reveals, everyone is in stunned, frozen exactly where they are as they pull slowly down the masks they've been wearing of latex perfection as this dumpy green crab apple face with huge black eyes and a wide pouty mouth plops out of the forehead hole until they're shaking off, peeling off the, not only the costumes they're wearing, but the skin underneath all in one go. Um, and people around the room are screaming, like <gasps> as a trio of Raxacoricophalopatorians, easily seven feet tall, uh, shed these bodies down to the hands. They pull the flesh off their hands and reveal claws that are easily a foot long. They are bigger, taller, and wider than the people they were inside. These mostly nude, obese, crabapple green creature stomps forward and raises a side sharp claw and shouts, Right, you horny toits! This is a robbery! That's where we're going to cut things today. <laughs> on Gallery of Fear, part one. <laughs> you guys are an absolute trip. I'm feeling really good about us having maneuvered our way into taking responsibility for security. Mm -hmm. gonna oh, reflect, yeah. It's that gonna was, reflect great on us. The Gallifreyan Council is gonna love this. They're only gonna have good things to say about this. This is gonna be fine. I think we did great. I mean, we're here in charge of security. We purposely found the infiltrators who had already infiltrated security, mm -hmm. and they literally said the jig is up. So we we actually like as, from a security standpoint, now's when we would just call it into like local authorities and be like, hey, we're dealing with this type of criminal, and that's kind of above our pay grade. But unfortunately, unfortunately, we're deal with it this is our pay grade. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
<laughs> Folks, that was Gallery of Fear. I would love to go around the table, really introduce our team, welcome them all back, and deal out those precious, tasty experience points. Kate, how would Maeve report on today's events, do you think? Oh, she would be reporting on the genius of Artemisma still. I mean, yeah, there are some aliens here. This could end up being an event. But really, this should be a show that reflects the genius of an artist who spent 10 years in isolation. And I see no reason to change that. You see no reason to change that. I, I, I couldn't agree more. For your doggedness in pursuing the story and the interview, collect two experience points. Wonderful work. Dora. What would you think of today's bizarre twists of fate? You know, Calamity has been looking for buttons to push, you know, for threads to pull mm -hmm. on. And, and you know, the matches were very briefly exciting, but, but you know, they're just matches. But the whole painting thing seemed to like had to have a lot of promise. And also the food, because, you know, she vibes a lot with like literally being in a pickle. The, the aliens inside big people thing, she just really didn't see coming. And honestly, um, is not super sure what's going on. Like she was just gonna, feel around on her own head to see if she had one of those things too and just hadn't noticed <laughs> if this was just a thing that everyone was doing now. You have now met the Slothton clan, distant cousins of the Slavine New Who monsters that were introduced in uh, Christopher Eccleston's season. I found them kind of interesting as baddies. Calamity, please take two experience points. The jumpsuit looks amazing. And just going completely with stride of Alia already knows you. Calamity's used to forgetting things, right? But she's like, she's not quite there about the time thing yet. Like she's, mm -hmm. she's, she's got her fingertips on it, but you know, she just doesn't quite have the framework to like make those leaps yet. <laughs> yeah, talking with Alia is not gonna make time any clearer, uh, I'm afraid. But yeah, two experience to you. Brand, what would you say surprised you most about today's mod? The fact that Magda was actually in a wonderful, loving relationship with Artemisia. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. I thought that was such a wonderful surprise. I actually expected the twist to be that Magda was Artemisia in disguise, sort of watching how everybody responded to her artwork gotcha. in a way that she couldn't experience normally. Mm. So I actually really liked instead that this is just somebody who really genuinely loves Artemisia. Mm. I thought that was just so fantastic from a storytelling perspective. Yeah, Magda is an interesting character and you'll get to know her better in the next part of the mod. I wanted an NPC who could talk about Artemisma while maintaining the mystique of not talking to Artemisma and having her wife, someone who is devoted to her, who already thinks that like, she's a genius in the art world, but Magda already thought so. Yeah. I thought that came across really well. Thank you. Rand, please take two story points. This mod is one of my personal favorites. I've run it for years. You are the first PC to um, not only cotton what the stasis cubes are, but also to successfully use one and just pull out a plate of food. That is so creative. So yeah, as one of the firsts of the game, please take three experience points because we've run this a couple of times and we've never had someone do that quite as uh, quickly or sleekly. Bravo. AE, that was a whole thing. How do you feel about that, Murph? It's one of those funny things, Murph, because like you and I have talked about this a bit and like, and yet I am still 
unbelievably surprised by the creativity of this team. Asking to go to security first, I had to like quickly like as Kitsy, I'd be like, would she have thought of that? I, a lot of times I like I just like to take the like the back seat to this and just watch this team go and like give them little bits here and there that maybe this helps you maybe this doesn't let's see what happens. You guys are the first ones to have tablets to have screens to the security rooms which is going to be very useful later. Kitsy is one of those characters just fits in this mod that is just packed with wall-to-wall -wall rich folks who are basically useless, Kitsy notwithstanding. But yeah, Alia running around and basically just whip cracking them into, into obedience because next to Kitsy, she's the richest person in the room. Which is why they teamed but, up, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> which is why they teamed up. <laughs> which I, I just need to posit mm -hmm. that if uh, Kitsy's cat betrays us, the fixer will be so profoundly heartbroken. I meant that genuinely when the fixer said, you know, I trust my life. No, Moopsie is great. <laughs> Moopsie has facets and layers and things going on that you have not even scratched the surface of yet. That kitty is deep. That's awesome. <laughs> so we are now seven episodes, seven mods into our first season. We are past the halfway point because we are telling 12 stories. Cause and effect and consequences for actions like blowing up or being near the destruction of two planets. Having an opportunity to take the auditor off the table for a mod to give you guys to play the experiment of, okay, you now don't have an NPC safety net in place. I'll be honest, I was really touched by everyone's group hug of greeting uh, when, when you got back. That felt really nice. I, I worry sometimes about getting overly indulgent with, you know, NPCs, and I hope this isn't, this isn't it. It's nice to have like a minute for him. But also the Time Lord politics going on have to at least somewhat vibe with pre-existing Time Lord disapproval of things. And the sixth doctor went through a whole trial of the Time Lord, which was a whole season where his adventures were under real scrutiny and being reviewed and he was defending himself the whole time. Um, number one, it's not the most fast moving framing device to go with. It does slow things down. I was gonna say, was it a season of clip shows? <laughs> No, um, but it was treated like them. Like uh, the clips were all new. Oh, okay, okay. So it's subverted. Oh, yeah. it's subver that's better. It's like that's the episode better. of Star Trek where like Kirk and Spock are on trial, and then they have to like mm -hmm. review their mission in front of someone. I do hope to record disciplinary hearing of a Time Lord in the future. It is not critical to the plot because it already covers the things we've already talked about here. Namely, that uh, the fact that the Dodger did not make it out of eruption has left a dent in Time Lord morale, fixer notwithstanding. The fact Time Lords are retreating back home to resume that dusty academia of, well, we, we, we know what we're doing. Uh, we're not going to risk ourselves out there. Like, there are still students out there doing their thing and doing it impressively, like the Fixer, but they, that number has been roughly cut in half. But yeah, Maeve writing about things and deciding I'm going to be a reporter for the New Space Toledo Chronicle, entering that into the galaxy of, yeah, she's writing stories and those stories are getting out there and those stories are making people think about Time Lords more than they weren't before. And it's demonstrated right in this game when fixed, like people are, buzz, buzz, oh, I don't know how it works. And then you're like, oh, 
Oh, I just slip in and pull out a plate of steaming hot food. As of right now in the timeline, does do the Atraxia and the Time Lords have a positive interaction? Is it mostly just sort of like live and let live? The Atraxi are fairly neutral to Gallifreyans. Um, they have only appeared once. The auditor mentioned that they were the subject of his senior thesis. Like facing off of the Atraxi was his graduation project. They're very secluded. Like they only come after you if you've escaped them or if they think you have specifically wronged them. And the doctor was able to basically bluster them away with Matt Smith's first appearance. I would love to go around the room. If you have shout outs to give to each other because there was some magic this week. Brand the dress. Yes. <laughs> Aww, thank you. You painted a hell of a picture. I know, I was amazed. <laughs> love it. I really appreciate that. I love that we get to make these games queer friendly and not just say yeah. that it is. Like we're showing like these characters love what they're wearing. Yeah, no, just like a highlight of the show was that montage of the of the fashion show. You guys were incredible. I I actually I actually did cuz I was going to I was going to say for uh for Kate for the whole like the power suit thing just uh, went like as soon as she mentioned it I was just like oh my god that is that is so perfect that is exactly what what Maeve would take from the entire history of, of fashion mm -hmm. <laughs> I spent uh like 30 minutes this afternoon scrolling through old photos to find one that I liked <laughs> when you described the power suit perfectly realized in my head with even that disaffected hands in the front jacket pockets or under like tucked into the pants because you don't care you look amazing and you know it these clothes that so much oomph the characters that's an experience point for me i actually want to give uh, pandora mad props for the pushback on the topic of oh we'll just be security and it really allowed me like explain my reasonings for why and i would not have been able to do that if i hadn't pushed back in that moment so i really appreciate hey that. you can trust on calamity to not know what's going on and ask questions <laughs> <laughs> i at this point I, I think the fixer really does look at calamity as like his lens for understanding the chaos of the universe <laughs> in a positive way <laughs> Yeah, no, Calamity's Chaos is is a welcome, healthy dollop in, in this show's chemistry, and I'm grateful for it every episode. I've already, I've already thought of really broken ways to abuse the, the, the Stasis Cube picture thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> we'll, see I, up, we'll see if they come up. I really, really loved Bran's idea to line uh, the aliens up with the picture of the Atraxi. Like, that was just genius. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think any of us ever would have gotten there, and you just had it immediately. It was so good. Just line it right up. Aw, thank you. Yeah, I have actually played this game as a... I've played this mod as a PC before, and I never would have thought in a million years to Sonic, first to Sonic the Crystal, and then to actually try to pull food from it so you don't, aren't like subjected to all the, the pickled items. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next time Kitsy should do the catering. <laughs> Maybe. Little old ladies are clearly not to be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have I mean, fully um, left myself a note that when I do write a story that brings Snackums down to give Kitsy some forewarning so she can sell all her shares and maybe become <laughs> the richest person in the universe. Very smart. I, I love that. That is so awesome. You know I'm and not so going to say no. Made, I think that's great. You know I'm not going to say no. Insider trading, darling. Yes, please. <laughs> There's like a I little wasn't... note on my sheet about you. <laughs> it's like, I wasn't aware it happened any other way. I mean, how else am I going to get to number two? <laughs> uh, how... We're going to get you all the way to number one. You're going to be the richest. And the, ga- the Gallifreyan yeah. Council will be like, you know, stock manipulation. We watch that and then they're like but they didn't actually use time travel to cheat at the stock market they just did it the old-fashioned way <laughs> like they're just like completely confused <laughs> like we don't have jurisdiction <laughs> yay i love it when we get out of their jurisdiction <laughs> it sounds at least that you are all still enjoying yourself which which makes me a happy gm oh for sure it's appreciated. I know that you really care about, you know, the game being fun. Like, I've wanted to be careful about how much I share before a game because I don't want it to be a crutch to you having a your own experience without too much of a filter of, oh, I've already been shown so-and-so. Artemis Makovec has been inspired by a specific performance artist. And after our next show, when Artemisma has had a chance to make her own first impression with you, that is when we will share uh, the artist that she is inspired by and a TED talk she gave that is nothing short of inspirational. I myself have never had much of a relationship with visual art. I have paid for artistic pages to be drawn for a graphic novel. I like artwork and did the graphic design for Anywhere But Now. But like, as far as going to a gallery and getting lost in it and experiencing it was something I never felt especially connected to. And writing and building out Gallery of Fear has helped me get closer to, if not the artwork itself, at least the impact it can have, both narratively and emotionally. Uh, and Magda really helps make that happen. She really helps sell that. That that was me seeing my first Monet at the National Gallery in London. Like I just sat there for like 45 minutes and I was like, I'm sobbing. I don't know why, but I am. <laughs> Man, yeah, no, art galleries are, are a wonderful thing. I went to the portrait gallery in Washington, D.C. just before I moved out to L.A., largely because I was like, I'm leaving soon. I want to see the Natural History Museum one more time and also see some paintings. And there were some truly striking pieces in there. And I admit, I was struck less by what they were than how old they were and that they were pieces of history that had been around for hundreds of years and had been collected and curated. I can appreciate that. And finally, to our listeners, another great big thank you for sharing your precious time with us. If you feel it's been well spent, please share anywhere but now with your friends who are looking to enjoy themselves. If you like what you hear, leave a review, rate the show, and follow us on Twitter at anywhere but now with an underscore at the end and wherever you get your podcasts. And in the meantime, if you'd like me to run a game for you over Zoom, you can reach me on startplaying.games. Links to everything in the doobly-doo. From all of us, I'm Casey Jones. Thanks so much, and have a great day.